You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Hey Liam, I have a pitch for a movie reboot. Sure, which one? Uh, Robocop? Did you just spin a big wheel? Mm, I have some notes. Welcome everyone to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast with cuts, keeps, punch-ups, and tweaks on mediocre movies as suggested by you. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Uh, And today we are discussing 2014's RoboCop. No, not that one, the 2014 one. (laughs) Yeah, no, the original RoboCop, no notes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was sick. I, I, a little ashamed to say that I, uh... Uh, only saw it recently in that I'm like, I should watch RoboCop if I'm going to watch RoboCop 2014. <laughs> um, did So good. It's so good. I've yet to meet someone who's not like, it's great. It's just a great movie. And it is. It, it is. What a treat. So if nothing else, this was has been a great episode for me movie-wise because I got to watch <laughs> RoboCop for the first time. Yeah. You got to watch a really great movie and, I don't know, um, a passable one. Is that fair? Yeah. It's inoffensive. Yeah, this movie gets a pass. This movie's pulling in that real 51% energy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I will confess. You did it. You crossed the finish line. I will confess I did enjoy it. And I will also add in that near future cyberpunk trash is my like fatal weakness when it comes to movies. I like Johnny Mnemonic. I like Total Recall. I like Blade Runner. Uh, you throw some cyberpunk in your film. I'm. It's guaranteed to tickle me, and so did, I. Qu- did this I actually tried to enjoy it. Absolutely did. I think it could have been more cyberpunk. I think that the aesthetic is very modern for the kind of like fifty minutes in the future uh, plot that they were doing. Uh, so I think you could have seen more of that, but um, it still tickled my fancy. I quite enjoyed it, but I see the movie's flaws as well. Like I'm not. <laughs> Just the way that I see Johnny Mnemonic's flaws as well. I love it, mm-hmm. but it's not a great movie. <laughs> I was just thinking that like it's a it's a it's a reboot that kind of exists in that area era of sort of like ramping up of the the cinematic universe craze, and like it it is a movie that stands on its own, and I didn't feel a lot of like sequel baiting from it. So like maybe this, is, <laughs> you know, I love so. that. <laughs> <laughs> what a low bar, but yeah, you know what? I hadn't thought of that. Good job, RoboCop, for not trying to establish a universe. <laughs> and one of the interesting things is, uh, as we discussed off pod, this movie was written by the original RoboCop writers. So that's kind of interesting that they decided to take a new crack at their IP and do a more modern story with it. And this kind of segues into something Greg and I were discussing a little bit about doing a reboot of an existing IP and kind of the motivation behind it. Because I've seen so many reboots that are kind of like one-to-one or very close to -to one-to-one remakes of pre-existing movies. And to me, that doesn't seem like a good reason to remake a movie because film is permanent outside of a few rare movies which have been lost which do exist, um, like Psycho is always going to be there. So why make a shot-for-shot remake of Psycho? There's there's no reason for it. You're not going to out-Hitchcock Hitchcock at his own game. But when you approach the IP and do a, a remake that is actually trying to do something different, that, that has a different um, theme that it wants to hit or has a different story that it wants to tell using that IP, I can respect that because it at least mm-hmm. feels like there's a purpose to trying to do it again that isn't just a shameless cash grab. Yeah, yeah. I think Blade Runner is a good example of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I 
think this is a shameless cash grab. <clears throat> I, I don't see the. I do not see the um, bold attempt to do something original in this that you do. I wish I could. I wish I did. Um, but this seems like a big cash grab to me. That they started from a bankable brand name and worked backwards. Yeah, I. I mean the the most offensive reboots are the reboots that um, basically go remember this throughout the entire film you know and i i don't know if i got a lot of that from there are there are a few reboot. little bits like he yeah. says dead or alive you're coming with me at one point yeah. like there's the the same theme music oh. runs in it like there's I, a see, few I, little I, bits I, here. I, I think that's different than maybe what i don't know if this is what greg was saying but definitely what i think of when i think of a movie that goes remember this where it's literally just to get you in the door and then they show you like some other movie with uh, uh, RoboCop slapped on the script. Um, mm-hmm. um, I the 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 fan service Easter eggy stuff. I could I care less about. I love it. I hate you know. I love it, but also don't need it. I was more when I think of a movie that's like, do you remember this? Yeah, you guys like you guys like RoboCop, right? It's just to, to sell me M and M's. But I'm trying also to be less cynical about the movies we do this uh, on this podcast because I, I find a lot of them uh, rub me that way. Um, so this one, I really have like, I'm coming, I'm coming to help. I really am coming. To- <laughs> Here's, I, I'm willing to meet you halfway, Liam. Um, yeah. I think that there maybe was, and I, I don't know because I haven't looked into it. There maybe was some uh, push from the studio to be like, hey, p- people are big into nostalgia right now for 80s properties. Nobody's taking a crack at RoboCop. Let's see if we can get the RoboCop people in to make a new RoboCop movie. Mm-hmm. And that might have been motivated by money, but I feel like the writing team at least tried to do something new with it and not just Fair. do RoboCop again, because you're not you're not going to top RoboCop. Yeah. But yeah, but also later on our 2049, this is not. <laughs> well, no. no, definitely not, no. <laughs> I mean, this definitely takes some swings at some fairly big themes. Um, it just like there's there's not a lot of follow up on them, uh, yeah. Which is kind of kind of the problem. It, but like at least at, at least you could kind of see you could you squint you can kind of see the <laughs> the different <laughs> approach. <laughs> a nice narrow red laser eye. You can really, yeah, yeah. yeah th- it definitely doesn't stick any of the landings it tries to set up, but uh, it does try to set up a lot of them to its credit. Yeah, it, it it does try. It doesn't. It's not a completely phoned in cash grab. It was like, well, if we're gonna grab this cash, let's try to grab have some fun grabbing it. Um, you know, like someone smiling in one of those tubes where they throw money at you. Like it's fun, <laughs> it's confetti. Um, I'll, I'll give it that. Um, of course, uh, directed by Jose Padilla, written by Edward Newmeyer, Michael Miner of RoboCop and Starship Troopers fame. Yeah, I watched Starship Troopers recently, uh, and that was a nice uh, accoutrement to uh, a RoboCop <laughs> cherry popping. Cherry popping, <laughs> RoboCopping. Uh, this film stars Joel Kinnaman as Alex Murphy, a.k.a. RoboCop, Gary Oldman as Dr. Dennett Norton, uh, who I didn't recognize. It was about halfway through. I'm like, damn, that's Gary Oldman, um, <laughs> as is tradition. Uh, Michael Keaton as Raymond Sellers, Abby Cornish as Clara Murphy, Jackie Earl Haley as Rick Maddox, and Michael K. Williams as his partner, Jack Lewis. Yeah, it's a pretty good cast. Yeah, it's a extremely solid cast. Yeah, Aaron and I were sort of remarking on it, how it's like, it, you know, this is a very good cast for a very mediocre movie. Mm-hmm. I, I realize... Uh, in the show notes here, uh, you left uh, Sam Jackson off this. Uh, what? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, whoops. <laughs> As, but also, <laughs> it also that's what is what did he? He clearly was was doing them a favor. He <laughs> all of his scenes take place in front of a green screen, so you yeah. know he was only there for like two days tops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, yet he's uh, clearly that, having fun with it because he. <laughs> He sinks his teeth into his dialogue and his <laughs> like sc- his political screeds with the joy of someone who's really having a good time. I think I think part of that's just like a lazy copy paste thing, Liam, and part of it is like I've been uh, uh, friendly admonished for right for having too many cast members for oh, you to read off. Honestly, side. like no, I I just meant it more. Um, I also forgot that he's in this, in that his character was really uh, uh, forgettable and and um, 
uh, not forgettable, but just like ter- tertiary. Like, um, yeah, so he's I, kind I, of. I wasn't. Like I wasn't giving you notes on your <laughs> show notes. I was like, oh yeah, he was in this too for five minutes. He's definitely a framing device for the film. Yeah, but yeah, it's an interesting that's... framing device, and it it serves the purpose of bringing the political side of the story to the fore because you've got the guy who's who's talking about it. So, and there is a political yeah. aspect to the story. More so than the original RoboCop, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah. Feels less like satire now, seeing the Eesh. route that, that uh, the Fox News has gone. <laughs> it's just like, oh, this is just like, this is just a, a news channel that exists today. Actually, the whole movie feels a lot less like satire now, if yeah. I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's like, can, can you, re, you know, do you want to remake it shot for shot or tone for tone? But it definitely lacked some of that fun humor of RoboCop 87. Uh, those, like, little cutaway commercials. Um, those little, like, just weird mm-hmm. moments. Like, I'd buy that for a dollar. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, the like I, th- I feel like Sam Jackson's r- part had that satire. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Uh, it, it's what it was. It, but like, but aim. when, yeah, but whenever they were in anywhere else in the film, I was taking itself very seriously. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's go to the trailer and then and get into it because there there is lots I liked and I want to talk about what what was great about this film. What if I told you that even the worst neighborhood in America could be made completely safe? How do I know this? Because it's happening right now in every country in the world, but this one. It is great to see American machines helping to promote peace abroad. So then tell me, why can't we use these machines here at home? Why is America so robophobic? We need to give Americans a product they can love, a figure they can rally behind. We can't put a machine on the street. Forget machines. They want a product the conscience something that knows what it feels like to be human give you mommy kiss my baby too slow boy we're gonna put a man inside a machine Raymond Sellers is just your average tech billionaire with a penchant for authoritarianism. His army of robotic law enforcers are ready to be deployed across the United States, but those liberal fat cats in Congress won't repeal a bill that is preventing a robo-dystopia. Determined to find a loophole, Sellers believes turning a human into mostly a robot is just the kind of gray area he can use to skirt the law. Enter hard-nosed cop Alex Murphy, fresh off an assassination attempt and in need of a new body. A robo-body. A robo-cop body. Now Sellers must battle his new inventions waxing and waning humanity for the right to roll an army of sociopathic machines onto every American street. Now, Scott, you took you took some some umbrage with uh, with the way that I framed Raymond Sellers. <laughs> yeah, and he's not um, necessarily an authoritarian. <laughs> yeah, the so full disclosure, Greg usually writes these synopses uh, and has fun with it, and then enjoys hearing me read them. But my uh, argument was that so. Sellers never comes across as an outright authoritarian in the film. Like his stated goal is never I want to rule the world with my robots. His stated goal is I want to make all of the money in the world with my robots. And if innocent people get shot by my robots in the meantime, that's kind of the innocent people's problem, not mine. Because yeah, he's I've got my money. Because he's a tech billionaire <laughs> and it's a problem that's not going to affect him. And that is so, so very in tune with most tech billionaires. I'm going to invent a technology that is deeply problematic, but it's not going to affect me. So who cares? I have all your money. Uh, that is that kind of is how Raymond Sellers is framed in this film. He, he never once implies or states that he actually wants to use his robots to take over. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just like if he if he were to have his robots on every street corner, and he is a private company. I mean, effectively, <laughs> you'd be in control, right? <laughs> the, also, like I wonder if sorry, logically it, yes, but again. It's not an idea explored by the film, so no, not at all. Uh, I mean, you guess you could you could imply that um, based on the opening of the movie that he kind of already rules uh, the world, and he just has every country, but <laughs> but, but the, the United, United States, States. States. yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's the that is the the theme or moral quandary 
that I found most interesting that it comes the closest to, to talking about in a meaningful way was the scene where he's they they discover that they're gonna like let him be Alex Murphy most of the time until the shield is down and then it's he's essentially a drone but that also he which was like cool enough as it is I was like ears perked up there like I'm listening mm-hmm. and then they're like but he thinks he's doing it he thinks it's all him and he thinks it's real well. I was like whoa yeah that's, the idea that's a cool the idea of making a machine that thinks it's a people and then not really fully exploring that is I think arguably the biggest failing of this movie. Yeah. 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 He kind of regains his humanity rather quickly after having lost it. Yeah. It's in the span of like a couple scenes, I think. Yeah. But also that just that idea of like, when does it stop becoming a person and start becoming a drone? And if you think you're doing it, does that make you culpable for the drone really ties back to that? Like who's pulling the trigger on a drone or a human? Um, question uh that mm-hmm. i don't even think they pull back on it i think they just like i don't think they realized what a cool insight they had and instead focused on this like him remembering his family aspect of it and when i i thought that just that idea of like who's really in control in drone mode was they really yeah they, i think they just drove right past the, the post and went for something else yeah i mean like a, a, obviously as you say like a super relevant theme right now that given the the state like how warfare works now especially and uh you know they're talking about where were they in the it was it iran in the in the opening sequence i can't remember uh, they're in tehran um, right okay so um yeah. yeah so like it's you know they're they're definitely talking about um you know, types of warfare that are used in those areas specifically too. So yeah, you're right. It's kind of odd that they kind of flew by it right past it. Yeah. To, to retread a lot of the uh, free will and using your memories and humanity stuff that was in the first one, um, which I think sort of contradicts what you're saying, Scott, of like, you know, they're trying to do some new thing. They're trying to take it in a new direction. I'm like, I think they, they started and then got scared and went back to, to what made RoboCop work. And, and I really, it really feels like it's trying to serve two masters here of like be something original and still be RoboCop. Well, the the core the core dichotomy of the character of RoboCop is is he machine or is he man? And mm-hmm. and which which part of him is stronger? And so uh, if you have RoboCop in a movie, that's going to be one of your themes. Like that has to be because that's that's core to the character. The question is, what are you doing around RoboCop? And I think that this movie handles it a little sloppy and it, it does mm-hmm. try to do something different. It just doesn't do it well. Yeah, because, yeah, the first one, the first one explores that is he man or is he machine by having his memories sort of come back. Like he gets his memories wipe. They come back to him. He finds his wife. He finds the guy who who fucked him up. That's the sort of the arc of the first one. Whereas this one, the Izzy Manor machine thing could definitely be more like drone warfare commentary. And that's and I think where it just tr- it doesn't try the landing. Yeah. And it doesn't stick the landing. And it because it tries to have it both. It tries to also do the like memory thing. But his memories are never wiped. Like nope. his humanity is wiped, but yeah. his, he's got all the memories. So of course there's still human in there. Like they deliberately left human in there. Yeah. I thought it was interesting to come at it the other side, like you know, in, in the original RoboCop, he's he's lost his humanity entirely and then has to regain it back. But this is sort of like initially, you think the idea is that he's going to slowly lose it, but yeah. then they kind of you're right, like halfway through, it's like nope, now it's now it's the original Mo- RoboCop again, and like he loses his humanity in one fell swoop and then has to regain it. I will say that I like that we get to spend more time seeing them make a RoboCop in this movie because in the original Mm -hmm. RoboCop, it's just kind of he gets killed and then he gets brought back as RoboCop and there's not much in between. And I I kind of like that we get a little time to languish in them making him this time. That's that's interesting because I thought the opposite because of like they spend too much time on the R&D and not enough time putting him on the streets of Detroit to shoot guys in the dick between a nice lady's <laughs> legs. Like, there's, there are no scenes where he fights crime as a cop. There's the one time he runs, jumps off the stage to get that, like, three-time killer who was in the crowd, and then he goes and gets the guy who, the gangster who killed him. I don't know if that's a failure of them spending time with us developing RoboCop. I think that might be a failure of them spending too much time with his family drama. Fair. 
but nevertheless there is no there is no him on the streets of detroit and certainly not much of it no yeah yeah i think i think that it's the only one that's truly there is when he happens to find a murderer at the press conference where they're unveiling robocop Yeah, yeah like that and then i think he goes straight into like um investigating his own murder right from there and then and then busts the corruption in his own department which put a pin in because i'm coming back to that (laughs) the the big action set piece that replaces him on the streets of detroit enforcing the law is the training thing against rorschach where he's in the warehouse and he's got to get the guy and for some reason they've made it so he can die they're like oh they might kill you in this training scenario um, that I'm like, as soon as I realized that was going to be a big action bit, I'm like, we're, we're not going to see him fight crime. Are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that little bit was, I guess it wasn't, it wasn't completely necessary as like, I guess it sets up, um, Jackie Earl Haley's character a little bit so that they can have a showdown later, confrontation yeah. at the end. Um, but it does go on probably a lot longer than, than what's needed. And it wasn't, I don't know, I didn't really find it particularly exciting. Yeah, um, contrived. It felt very contrived. Yeah, I don't think, it, like, I don't, aside from maybe the end sequence with the Ed 209s and things like that, I didn't really find any of the action particularly thrilling. But in a weird way, I was kind of okay with that because the movie doesn't seem to mind that there isn't a ton of action. Is You know, it does does seem to spend a bit more uh, time trying to do character stuff, which is great. Um, yeah. It just wasn't executed um, mm-hmm. the be- in the best way possible. Um, I have a question for you guys. Uh, this is sort of a little uh, out of left field, but the so we were just we touched on um, the making of RoboCop, and it made me think of the scene in which uh, uh, Alex Murphy is a request that all the RoboCop caught parts be taken off of him so he can see what's left of him like what's mm. left of his body mm-hmm. that was cool sorry uh well i was gonna ask like did you find that scene particularly like horrifying in any particular way or it was just kind of like whatever i um, I, have, I have a point to make but i just okay, i want to get I your really liked it, it it felt very vulnerable i was like truly felt naked with him uh, and it was probably one of the most affecting scenes in the movie for me. He felt very vulnerable. Yeah, him, him, like crying out in dismay. Oh God, there's nothing left. Like that's that was legitimately like gut wrenching. Right. That I mean, that's a that was a great line. It's it's interesting to get your perspective on it because I kind of felt the opposite. Um, I didn't feel horrified at all. Um, uh, and I think to me, it's like it was partly because of the way it was shot because as you say that, that, that particular line, that horrifying read where he says there's nothing left, it's done in a, like a a long wide shot. And I thought like, well, what a waste of a performance because like you would like, I think you would want to get his, his reaction in a more of a medium close up or a close up. And, and so I I feel like that's for me, that might be why it didn't hit us. Like if I was going to do that scene, I would I would actually start on his face and you all you hear are the parts getting being removed. removed and then you yeah. sort of dolly backwards and you the audience experiences it as he's experiencing it and then it would feel a little bit more gut wrenching. You're a graphic designer. Is there not um, room for the use of negative space? The fact that they frame it to fit his whole body and his whole body is missing. Yes, I like. It's I, a head to toe shot, right? Yeah, I think that's uh, like I think it's it's fine to do that shot. Um, and like you're right, like in terms of like visual language and like how you've talked about it, like it makes it feel vulnerable. The wide long shot certainly implies that. Like he, it, it makes him look really so small. much. Yeah, there's so much space around him, and then there's like then there's nothing left but the lungs. So you can you do like you say get a lot of the the negative space but i i i would just argue as like cuz you can always hit that shot after you've you've given uh Joel Kinnaman the the space to uh, react to what's going on to him i think that that's i, I think that that's it's possible to sort of have best, the best of both worlds it's interesting that you bring this up actually greg because one of my nitpicks with the movie is that it felt really safely directed um mm. like there's 
this movie could have been a lot more kinetic. It could have looked a lot slicker, but it, it there was a lot there were a lot of shots that were really like safe action movie yeah. shots um that and I think that what you're talking about is is very much in that realm where it's like this could have been done with more style and instead mm-hmm. they went for something very safe and the movie I think visually suffers from that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's I, a lot of movies in 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 Hollywood that don't have a visual voice, and like you know it when you see it. Yeah, and this is definitely um, and, one of them. No, yeah, Did, exactly. you know what they all have in common? They're all heartless cash grabs. <laughs> uh, it was like Scott, you're making the point for me. <laughs> this is Power Rangers. This is uh, Power Rangers was the big one. This movie reminded me a lot of when we watched Power Rangers, where I'm like, you just wanted to get me to come in because you said Power Rangers and then just make me watch lights and sounds for two hours. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't know. It, like it's it, that, but then I forgot about this. Power, Ran- Power Rangers irritated me. Like, this movie me. was like, sick. <laughs> yeah. Power Rangers irritated me. This didn't, uh, this didn't offend my sensibilities <laughs> the way that like that movie did. I, I, I don't want to like, it mean like Power Rangers wasn't the worst movie I've ever seen, but just like, you know, the, it, I I didn't I didn't feel at any point during RoboCop that I was that I was um uh I, I didn't feel like pandered to too much which yeah, is it, weird to say that with about about a movie like this but I didn't I didn't really feel that way too much yeah a little safe like you said Scott a little sometimes maybe effortless but at no point did I think it was insulting my intelligence mm-hmm. like some of these movies do. And again, I think yeah. that that is a testament to the writing. I think that there the writers were trying to do something that just didn't quite work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, the, the as they say, like, the movie is made three times. It's made on the page, and then when you shoot, and then when you edit, right? So, yeah. like, a lot of, like, there's a lot of things that can go wrong in in, uh, in filmmaking. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, if, if this movie were to be in the hands of... Um, you know a different, you know a different director. I don't want to say more competent. He's it's a perfectly competent film, but it's, you know, but like, you know, some someone who has more style or is allowed to have more style. Who knows what uh, what yeah. pressures this director was under? Actually, I I, I read some about uh, old Jose's experience here, and he had mostly he had directed some of the biggest action movies in um uh in Brazil. Uh, oh, yeah. in the years leading up to this and then this was his first american feature um we not a dissimilar arc to paul uh verhoven yeah verhoven i always want to say uh vorhaven because i had a, a junior high teacher named vorhaven and oh, just yeah. slips away. Anyway, <laughs> um but yeah so he this was his, his first american english movie uh and so i can i can see some of the maybe trying to play it a little safe or like you know, just just getting it done might have been, or or feeling like he had to kowtow to like executive decisions because yeah, yeah, because he's in a foreign country. Yeah, definitely a thing that like the um, Hollywood likes to do is to to pick up talented young directors that they feel that they can mold and control. Right, like this yeah. is it's a very common thing. Uh, especially with a lot of superhero movies, right? And I think, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Because you, you don't want to get yourself an auteur on your hands and then, you know, you're trying yeah. to wrestle away, uh, you know, you're just trying you're just trying to make a Batman movie and yeah. <laughs> this guy's mm-hmm. coming in here with nipples and <laughs> shit, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't, like, what you don't want the uh, a young director to do is to come in and make your movie interesting. That would be horrible. Yeah, that's you can't bank on that, Scott. Oh, I was going to tangent because we you had brought up uh, design basically uh, about Ed two oh nine. Ed two oh nine is perfect, and I say that <laughs> because between the original RoboCop and all of its iterations, including RoboCop two and three, and the RoboCop TV series, and this movie which had a completely different design aesthetic uh, to a certain degree, Ed 209 is unchanged. He looks exactly the same. (laughs) And the reason is because he is perfect. He is a perfect baby boy who requires no alterations. (laughs) He was designed, he came out of the womb perfect. (laughs) 
I love Ed 209 is what I'm saying. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. like it is it is such a great visual design. It is a dinosaur that is a robot with a big booming voice. It is pure intimidation. It makes <laughs> T-Rex noises when it moves. It's nuts. And I love it. And I love that it did not get changed for this film because they were like, you can't improve perfection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even even the CG ones in this, without the charm of the practical effects puppet of the old one, still look pretty slick. I was yeah. like, damn, these things look awesome. <laughs> Completely impractical as a police device, but <laughs> but uh, the perfect robot for intimidation. And like no one's like this looks horrifying. Like even people don't even like those Boston Dynamic dogs. Little you. Know. <laughs> I bet it, the computer animated ones can walk upstairs or walk mm-hmm. downstairs. <laughs> I don't know. They didn't have to navigate stairs in that lobby, so we'll never know. (laughs) You know, uh, one of the things that sticks that really stuck out to this, to me in this in this movie, was the opening sequence where they're you know the they're using Ed two hundred nines and things like that to pacify uh, an entire country. That is very affecting and highly terrifying, actually. Yeah, exactly. And like this kind of speaks to their introducing themes and not following up but like there there is a group of um you know uh rebels who you know basically uh uh attack the the robots and um you know they do the stereotypical thing which is a little disappointing where they strap explosives to themselves and kill yeah, themselves yeah in a, in like a gray filter or a brown filter <clears throat> yeah um but then uh, one of the sons, little little boy of, of one of the, the bombers, um, sees what his dad is doing and then grabs a knife and then goes out to uh, assist his father. And the Ed 209 blows the little boy away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's a shocking moment and it could have uh, had a point had the movie sort of followed up on the sort of hegemony of, of it all. And then they just never, it doesn't have any consequences at all. It, it does serve a point because it ties into sellers then at the congressional hearing and them talking about, well, what if one of your robots shoots a child? Like what does the robot feel about that? And the, right. and sellers legitimately be trying to skirt the question. Then finally being like, well, it feels nothing. It's a robot. It doesn't care. Yeah. Um, th- that ties directly to that, but you're right. It, it served, it could have served a, a broader purpose and it could have meant something further into the film than just like two scenes later, which it doesn't. Yeah. Like it, like that, like that, you'd think that that, like that footage would come up later, like at one of these hearings or something like that, that the footage would be shown directly to sellers and then he has to bullshit his way through it or something like that right at risk of getting ahead of ourselves it would have been interesting if alex's son goes to defend his dad later in the film and grabs an innocuous little weapon just to try to ward off an ed 209 and the ed 209 registers that as a threat and and suddenly his son is in mortal danger from a very real and terrifying robot that's going to destroy him and Mm -hmm. alex has to act in that moment i think that would have paid off that very interestingly and doesn't really happen so well uh, let us uh, tiptoe no further and fully stroll into the second half with our uh, fixes then What's the Cheesemus? A new podcast with an inside look on the Philippinex identity in the diaspora. Cheesemus is the Tagalog word for gossip. Subscribe to hear weekly episodes about disappointing your parents, breaking it to your friends that you're not Italian, trying to figure out why you punched a car, and much, much more. What's the Cheesemus is produced by CJSR, Edmonton's campus and community radio station. Download it wherever you find podcasts and on whatsthecheesemus.transistor.fm. Cheesemus, spelled T-S-I-S-M-I-S. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. Uh, Scott Gregg, uh, let's uh, let's fix RoboCop. I want to propose a theme. Uh, yes, which, this movie does need a theme. <laughs> it needs a consistent theme. And um, I think I think that it would have been, and, and maybe it's just because it came out in 2016, and this is a topic that's been more prevalent in more recent years. I think it could have been interesting to 
have the theme of this remake of RoboCop be about the militarization of the police. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And OCP's efforts to arm them with actual military-grade robots that are currently terrorizing the world. And it's a through line that the movie plays with a little bit at the beginning and then just kind of forgets about. And I think that it would have been very interesting if they had really stuck with that. And the way that I would play that is that the RoboCop project is very successful by halfway through the film. And so rather than at that point, sellers deciding we need to get rid of RoboCop so that we have a martyr that we can like stick the landing on this, on this repealing this bill and getting these robots into police's hands and more, it's go time and they do roll out these machines and then bad stuff starts to happen. And RoboCop, because he's a human person, uh, has to intervene in Detroit to, to stop the bad that's happening and turns essentially against the militarized police and becomes the hero of the people. Go RoboCop. <laughs> that, that would yeah, be my, sick. my I, play on it. I'd completely forgotten about the martyrdom twist. Yeah. That's, I like that a lot. And then RoboCop's in danger, but he's in danger from, and, and the, the good cops in his department can have his back and it can be, it turn granted that turns into a weird, not all cops thing. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's, it's a, it's a tricky <laughs> subject, but at the same time, I think that that would have been an interesting commentary on something that's very uh, current and maybe it's just that the movie came out a little too early for that because 2016 was just before I feel sorry. 2014 was, was just, I feel before this became a big issue that people were really, really aware of. So it could just be that it just missed the boat on that, but that would be my, they just left it on the shelf for six more years. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think, I think that would have been an interesting theme though, to really, really zero in on the militarization of the police. And in this case, like the full militarization of the police, the police literally rolling out deadly weapons and robots onto the streets in order to maintain order, not even solve, stop crime or, or solve mysteries or be detectives, but to just legitimately impose order, which is bad. (laughs) That's that's dope. And that's actually I'm going to build on that. That is half of my solution. Um, (laughs) And so and I think how you get there, how you get to what you're pitching is to cut the revenge and the memory plot. Don't have him trying to solve his own murder murder. Um, Don't have him trying to go get the guy who did this to him uh, and instead have it be that like. Or at least, I mean, oh no, I was about to spoil the Batman. Never mind. But <laughs> um, <laughs> have maybe everyone's that. involved. Maybe it's everybody. Well, and, and um, to to play on that a little bit. Um, oh my god, I derailed my own train of thought <laughs> just that fast. <laughs> the the whole Batman thing totally threw me. Um, to build on that a little bit, I think you're right because the the whole solving the mystery of his own uh, getting getting assassinated getting shut up yeah is very much the first robocop movie exactly and so like that's the closest thing to the original robocop movie here and by removing that you really distance it from that movie and it's harder to compare the two so i i definitely agree with you on on that front i think that that would be an interesting and different way to take it yeah and then and an interesting and different way to take it is exactly what this half of my notes are as I said in the beginning, I think this movie is really trying to have it both ways. It's trying to do something new and different or be the, be a RoboCop remake. Um, and I love your premise for it, Scott. The way I wrote it in my notes was like, if it's going to be RoboCop, this, 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 and this, which I'll get to. And my, my note to build off yours is just don't have it be a RoboCop movie. It's it's It doesn't have that brand name on it. And then it can be whatever it wants. It doesn't have to be compared to this other perfect movie that it's it's that's it's its own thing it can just be this story about a cybernetic cop um and they can take big weird risks like elite battle angel or they can play it super safe with an over-the-top cop action movie like bad boys i like yours i think that's a little more in the elite battle angel you know taking some risks doing something interesting some sci-fi premise rewind uh, a little yeah, bit and rewind a little bit i'm i'm just uh i just you said something that tripped something in my brain. It could still be a RoboCop movie, but why does it have to be a full remake? Why do we have to get RoboCop's origin stories again? Why couldn't it just be 
another RoboCop movie. Yeah, that's where it. we just we know who RoboCop is. Just drop RoboCop like into Blade a new story. Yeah, just yeah. drop RoboCop into a new story. Why could? Granted, there are some eh, sequels to the original RoboCop already, <laughs> but why not just make a new RoboCop sequel? Why not? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so yeah, my the way I laid out my notes was like, if it's gonna be RoboCop, here's what I think you should do. But I honestly just if you want to take take this idea somewhere new don't make it a RoboCop movie. And the fact that it says RoboCop on the poster makes me very cynical and think that they started from, that's a bankable name people know. Give me give me something to fill this movie poster with. Um, however, if anyone is interested, here is how I would make it if it was going to be a, a true reboot of RoboCop, like in the style of uh, Force Awakens, where it's like going to be beat for beat RoboCop. It should just check as many of those expectation boxes as possible so like let's go through the list what do you think what, what would you want from a robocop movie sorry i heard knocking on my door what would you want from a robocop movie it's not funny this movie is not particularly funny uh it's not over the top violent uh it doesn't have any of that uh verhoven kind of like attitude and like biting satire like it's pretty milquetoast like you said it's safely directed there's no none of the villains are particularly charismatic, let alone the criminal. Kurtwood Smith in the first one kicks ass, right? Um, and he doesn't like I said, he does not fight crime. There's no crime fighting in this, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like already not a RoboCop movie. <laughs> like, yeah, there's no um, Robo for the or there's no copping for the Robo. Right? Yeah, <laughs> so it doesn't it doesn't do any one of the things you would expect from a RoboCop movie, other than look like it. And a little bit weakly dabble in some of the th- same themes in the way like a kid doing a book report who didn't read the book would, you know, real cursory. Uh, um, so, yeah. And and so my, my pitch was like, just don't make a RoboCop. And I think you have a great version of that, Scott. So sick. Because it will be compared. You, you will just yeah. you will compare it to RoboCop. So you're setting yourself up for failure. I think the the real plot that it should have zeroed in on rather than the uh, getting revenge for nearly being blown up is really just to focus on the crooked, crooked cop angle. Because, um, yeah. again, my theme is the police are secretly the bad guys. Really play up that, the corruption in the force, so that when the robots get rolled out, the force abuses them almost yeah, immediately. The, and the, the that's, corporate interference on public safety yeah, and international conflict. Cu- yeah. coupled, with, coupled with the police corruption – the robots get abused immediately and people are put in danger and RoboCop has to step up to now stop the police from overstepping. I think that's, that's the way I would have done it. Yeah. So, so Greg's been a- very quiet. Greg's been very quiet. This whole time. <laughs> well, I think cause like, I'm not the, the way that I've, the, the ideas I came up with don't necessarily marry to yours. So I kind of just, <laughs> I wanted to let you guys like vamp for a little bit. Um, uh, because like I took a very a different tack to it, and it and it kind of touches on something Liam had uh, said earlier about um the idea of playing with uh, uh RoboCop um not being in total control of what's happening, and I think that that's actually kind of an interesting theme for something that we know today about like the the systemic problems with the the policing system and like this movie could be a a metaphor if not a shout uh to that particular uh issue um and i I also think there's like more fun ways of like taking of playing with the character of alex murphy like i thought he would be it would be interesting if like alex murphy was like not like a um like a super cop you know, uh, and you know, or whatever, like he is like a, like a real undercover broy type cop. Like I, th- I imagine him as like a, a thin, lanky desk jockey investigator. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't really go out into the field all that much. He's just, and he's like, he's like a really by the book kind of guy. Um, and like even his partners and stuff like that, you know, refer to him like as an automaton, um uh his 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 wife is like very much against uh the robots roaming the streets she's very much uh in agreement with 
uh, Congress preventing that from happening. And, you know, she says like, oh, you know, it's, it's, you know, you can't trust robots to make these decisions. Whereas Alex Murphy has such trust in, in the system that he, he thinks it would be better if it was robots taking the risks and not, you know, people. And, and it's like, cause he doesn't take the risk. He's at his desk and that's where he feels the safest. And that makes it's, it's, that's how he makes sure that he can come home to his family every night. And of course he like investigates the wrong person. Then a, an attempt is made on his life and then he becomes uh, a, you know, RoboCop. And the irony being that like he, the by the book automaton actually becomes an automaton ring, uh, which would be kind of like fun and interesting. Um, and I think like the, the way you play with the, the systemic thing is like, he doesn't, he doesn't, loses humanity and has to gain it back it's more tragic it's more he he is continually losing his humanity as the longer he is robocop and it becomes apparent to him as you know we work through the movie that like his he's not able to be in control of him himself and like the the system sort of like metaphors like the cop system is do making the decisions for him and then you get when you get to the end of the film he's almost completely lost his humanity and his last act is to to sacrifice himself for his his family in the in the last gasp of his humanity before it's all taken away from him so i think that <laughs> any, i mean maybe you don't get a sequel out of that but i think that would be a really interesting movie I think that your idea does kind of marry to mine. Yeah. Um, especially if like he's, he finds himself being controlled by a system that's inherently corrupt. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I don't think it necessarily needs to be a full tragedy. I think he could still like find his humanity and rise up against the system that he once had utter faith in. And the irony there being that when he became a robot, that's when he realized how broken the system was and how he needed to be a person in it. Yeah, and that also, Scott, you you sort of corrected yourself in yours of like, ooh, it's a it's a not all cops thing. I think your like second theme here, Greg, answers the not all cops problem right, yeah. by being like, here's there is humanity in these people. They are capable of making the right choice, and they are affected by like you said it just now, affected by a corrupt system. Um, and finding that humanity um, to maybe say, yeah, it's not all cops. It's it, These are people who are as entrenched in an absurd system as everybody else by heightening that absurd system. Yeah. Yeah. Dope. Uh, I also, the thing I really like, uh, just in a vacuum with yours, Scott, or Greg, um, was how you had his wife agree with Congress. Mm -hmm. I think with even no other notes, just this movie as it is, could have been improved if his wife... Like, take nothing else we've said, um, having his wife um, echo some of those statements, I think just would have added a layer to her character, made him a, made her a little more than... Plus, uh, it would have uh, added yeah. some dynamics to their relationship, right? Which is kind exactly. of the part... Though, that because I found too. that they had, you know, almost no chemistry, and that's that's kind of a big problem, and why, the, you know, the, the, the crux of the movie doesn't necessarily work for me, because he is trying to save his family, but, it, like, the, the connection... The connective tissue, like he's got some pretty good connected tissue to his son, but like maybe not his wife. And his wife is like the main th the main thrust of that connection throughout. So, uh, and, and a shout out to um, my wife Erin who who uh, did a, a great job workshopping the uh, this particular fix for me. Uh, it was uh, nice bouncing things off of her. I will say, actually, it's it's interesting character development for the wife too if she's against having robots on the streets policing people but she still signs off on him becoming a cyborg because mm. she's torn because she loves him and she doesn't want to lose him and so she sat she betrays her own principles for love yeah yeah, yeah. and then exactly maybe grows to regret it actually yeah, until like that, until that to, he becomes that to a me, people like, again. Yeah, yeah, that to me like creates like you, you've got like this it heightens the drama of that scene where yeah. she's making the decision right because sure. she's already so against it, and, and but she's desperate to save her husband. You know, yeah. like uh, like it adds so many layers to it. It, it. I think it just would work so much better. Yeah, that's that's dope. I, I love all of this. Um, <clears throat> if if they wanted to backpedal from 
getting making a, a blockbuster movie that's hypercritical of the police, they could substitute like um, um, police corruption and, and police overreach with corporate influence. Yeah, it's and easy enough overreach. to plug OCP. Easy if they that's the slightly yeah. safer version. Um, <laughs> I like ours; it's got a little more teeth. But yeah. uh, in reality, I think just like having the the main source of corruption be uh, the, the 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 corpos there. Um, but still with everything you were, were talking about there, Scott. Um, yeah, I mean, OCP is yeah. a lingering a lingering presence across all of RoboCop. They could, if you really wanted to tee up a sequel, OCP is still there. But I yeah. think dealing with having the police be the bad guys mm-hmm. not shouldn't be at the end of, like, the middle part of this movie. It should be the movie. The movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's sick. Also, this is a real uh, aside, um, but I also don't like that they changed the company to Omnicorp and not Omni Consumer Products. They mentioned the... They mentioned Omni Consumer Products. At the end of the movie, Samuel L. Jackson mentions Omnicorp's parent company is OCP. Okay. So it does get name dropped. Well, uh, mostly for logo reasons. I love the logo for Omni Consumer (laughs) Products in the first one. It's such a weird, ugly mishmash of like three different hexagons or septagons. It's one of those classic sort of like 80s uh, looking designs. Yeah. Yeah. And then this one just was toothless. Even the, yeah, even the logo design was safe. I don't even remember the logo for this, for OCP in this at all. It was because uh, it wasn't o- OCP. It was only it's it's Omnicorp, OC- right? Right. So right. it was just a, a, a C inside an O or an O inside a C. Oh, boring. Yeah. There was no P. <laughs> the P is what makes it interesting. <laughs> so. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I love this. I think we really um, collaborated. Yeah, that was, that, that was fun. Yeah, um, in in a way that we uh, haven't haven't in a while, and I just think. If I may, I think we sound a little like we know what we're talking about on this one. <laughs> Once Sometimes in a while. I feel like we're just <laughs> real armchair. Yeah, I mean, coming up with Thanks, a pitch bro. in 25 minutes is difficult. And sometimes we sound like fools and sometimes yeah. we uh, we hit a home run. It's just, yeah. you know. Feeling, but the good news is this <laughs> both of those both of those extremes are good listening. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of good listening, we got good listeners. They give us comments on our social media when we solicit them. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at I Have Some Notes and on Instagram at I Have Some Notes Pod. Uh, you type them, we read them. Dr. Terrence Wynn, PhD. I, <laughs> I don't want to... Hang on. <laughs> it's, I only say this because I have a friend who consistently goes by doctor on Twitter and is not a doctor. And I just... I really hope you have your uh, doctorate there, uh, Terrence Wynn, PhD, <laughs> in your title. I don't know why I'm doubting you. It just seems like a weird thing to put in your Twitter handle. Um, and then comment on RoboCop. <laughs> like, it seems like a, from a professional account. I'm not trying to doubt you. I don't know why I'm so hung up on this. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, the original RoboCop has, in my opinion, one of the greatest film scores of all time from the late, great Basil Polidorus. The score to this film was dire. Totally took me out of the film. This is part and parcel with what we were saying before about the direction as well. It's a very safe. It's a very middle of the road. It's a very generic action movie. And I agree. Like the, the outside of them using some of the original RoboCop score, which stands out because it's so good, the rest of it's very forgettable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember a, a single note <laughs> from the score, to be honest with you. <laughs> Laurie says, hashtag not my RoboCop. I have nothing further contri- further to contribute. It was very tapioca beige fine. I think that's where Greg landed on it for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's where I landed on it too, but I just find that that kind of like agreeable product i'm just so i just i I have a hard time not being cynical about it you know i yeah i think that's where i think that's where your offended button is pressed right yeah yeah (laughs) that that i know what it takes to go to make a movie i know how many you know auteurs and weirdos and geniuses really want to get their shit on screen and the the bankable thing wins more often than not and it takes up space and it 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 bums me out uh and then with something like robocop it bums me out because they also don't stick the landing on trying to do what that cool movie did. Like is what we were talking about a couple of episodes ago, about like they want to, the studios don't want to take risks. They want the safe thing. But then when someone takes a risk and it works, they chase that 
thing instead of realizing that the the wins in the taking the risk. Yeah. Well, and anyway. RoboCop was a risky movie. It was R-rated. It was a really biting satire of society. It was in your face and to to then make the reboot very middle of the road milk toast to not really have the teeth to talk about like a tough theme mm-hmm. like the original one was trying to do. It's it's really disappointing in that sense. Yeah. It's a real surface level reading of like why the first movie was successful, right? Like yeah. I was like, oh, it's a guy in a robot, so people love that, right? You, you know, <laughs> you guys remember RoboCop? Yeah. You guys remember the Power Rangers? Yeah. Uh, Olav Rockney says needs a unicorn. Two things: sick Blade Runner reference. Second thing, I thought it said needs a unicron originally. <laughs> I, yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> That's like the ultimate unicron? form of the Ed 209. <laughs> unicron is the, the giant planet eating robot from Transformers. Right, right, right. I legit misread that and thought it said unicron for a moment. <laughs> Robin, friend of the show from Cinematological, says make it R rated, mm-hmm. make it satirical, hire a director who understands satire. Hire a lead actor capable of multiple emotions. Burn the <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> I think that's I think that's a little unfair to Joel Kinnaman. I think yeah. he he was doing a, a fairly decent job. He was yep. he was not the thing that was pulling me out of this film. Yeah, agreed. Joshua Scar says it just needed to commit to an idea. The concept behind how do you build a RoboCop was solid. The idea behind having the program take over and Murphy not realizing it, solid. But all of it goes to the wayside in favor of less interesting ideas and drama with the Murphy family. It it's it starts off this is me editorializing now, but yeah, it starts off <laughs> unique and ends like the last half of RoboCop. Uh, I think, it's not bad, I, but it's less interesting. Yeah, it's, I think I, I think Josh just summarized our entire episode Damn. in less than fifteen seconds. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Andrew Craig says RoboCop works best as R-rated satire, updating it using pertinent satire to today's situation and blow shit up. I'd buy that for a dollar. Yeah, the first movie was shockingly violent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> shockingly violent, and this movie the violence is very sanitary. Like, um, people blow up at the beginning of the movie, and I can't remember if there's blood at all. Like, it's very sanitary 2000s action where it's very bloodless and clean and not very shocking. And I think that's a disservice, perhaps, to the original Mm -hmm. RoboCop. Where a guy gets shot in the junk between a woman's legs. Mm -hmm. And just, like, seeing him get riddled up with bullets from Kermit Smith. So yeah, good. and a, a yeah. man explodes on a windshield, like a hot, yeah. like a hot, hefty bag of vegetable soup. <laughs> Isn't there someone who gets um, acid faced? Right? Yeah, there's a whole there's yeah. a whole guy covered in toxic waste with the droopy droopy toxic Avenger face. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. the guy who yeah, explodes on a person's windshield. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's. Ta- a- oh. Sorry, like that. Is, that's something. It's something strange about like action movies that it's like they a lot of the edge has been shaven off. Like there's there's also this like the sex has been removed from action movies as well, right? Like that just mm-hmm. doesn't really happen a whole lot any anymore either. Yeah, you got to chase could, that PG thirteen audience. Yeah, yeah. This movie's to be watched on a plane. You know, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Tack says, let Gary Oldman be morally gray and only helping to serve his goals, or make the whole thing a documentary recreation hosted by Samuel Jackson. Evil corpse are spinning the real events from the original movie, but their agenda is a little too obvious. That's an interesting take on it. Like, we're not mm-hmm. remaking RoboCop, we're making, uh, we're making the, uh, oh, what's the word? The, the recreation. The yeah. uh, these of the, the uh, actual different than actual events uh, version of RoboCop that would be interesting. What, what is the word I'm looking for? It's on the tip of my tongue. Like like when you're watching unsolved mysteries, you see the uh, oh um, reenactment the reenactment. There's the word. Yes, it was right there. You're seeing a reenactment of the original RoboCop, not a reboot of the original RoboCop. That's that's an interesting take. I kind of like that actually. Yeah, with with an unreliable narrator, it could be fun. Yeah. Fun indeed. Thank you to everyone who commented. This was a, this was a good one. Um, uh, I, I liked uh, discussing this uh, this film. 
I thought there were way more to it than I thought there would be, and I got to watch RoboCop 87 for the first time. So, Which is a great movie. Good day so, for yeah. Liam. Yeah, triple win. <laughs> that has been our show. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, of course, give us a review, a subscribe, a little like, a little check mark, whatever it is on whatever media platform you might be listening to this on. Yeah, hey, if you want to see the harm a machine can do when it lords over humans, you could check out Kyle and Dave versus the machine. Kyle and Dave must watch movies chosen by a sentient machine, or it will destroy the world. You can find that in our other sibling podcasts right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. All right, and tune in in two weeks. Um, we just did a movie that was based off an 80s movie, and we'll be returning to the 80s for Robot Jocks with guest Olav Rockney. Until then, I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the skies. Hi there, I'm Brendan, a certified home inspector with Rumi. Do you have a problem that needs fixing? Whether it's big or small, inside or outside, let me help you find out what's really going on. You can call me by phone, or we can take a look together over video chat. Visit rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, and go to Ask a Home Inspector to book your appointment with me today.